This is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. I'd like to thank our sponsors who make our podcast possible. We take our podcast with the ongoing support of Raider and Jason Sikora, our sound engineer. Raider is a hands-on IT service provider that integrates all of your needs for advanced technical support, effective communication options, and cybersecurity. Raider's motto is, you just want it to work. We understand. Please visit RaiderSolutions.com for more information. Iberia Bank and First Horizon, who are now one bank. Two relationship-driven banks, both leaders in the industry, have officially joined forces. The combination of Iberia Bank and First Horizon creates a leading financial services company dedicated to enriching the lives of their clients, associates, and their communities. I'd also like to thank Lafayette General Health, who has joined the Oshner Health family and is now Oshner Lafayette General. As one health system, Oshner Lafayette General will provide expanded services and enhanced care from the familiar faces you already trust. Oshner Lafayette General means more resources to help solve healthcare's toughest problems, reinvesting in our communities, and being further committed to health and wellness. Oshner Lafayette General, together means more. Learn more today at togethermeansmore.org. Boyer Derice of Good Eats Kitchen is our guest. Boyer began his professional culinary career with Fleming's Prime Steakhouse in Baton Rouge. That was the beginning of a 10-year career with Fleming's, where he was the youngest executive chef partner in the company's history, taking the helm of his own kitchen at age 25. Boyer also had the distinctive honor of being selected to cook for Team USA and dignitaries at the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing. He launched Good Eats Kitchen in 2017, and they now have two locations, one here in Lafayette in the Oil Center and another in Baton Rouge. In late 2020, Boyer launched Bayou Carlin Oyster Company, an e-commerce business that sells and ships grilled oyster kits throughout the U.S. I met Boyer. He's in the current Leadership Lafayette class, and it's my honor to welcome him to Discover Lafayette. Boyer, thank you, you for bet. joining thank, us. Thanks for having me this morning, yeah. or this afternoon, I should say. Well, yeah. As soon as I met you, I thought, I've heard about Good Eats Kitchen. I didn't know your story. And as soon as you started talking, I thought, this is it's really a story about being an entrepreneur, as well as being a chef. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always sort of had the entrepreneurial spirit, um, much to my wife's dismay. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's always like, we're driving down the street and there's this empty lot. And I'm like, you know, that could be a really cool X, Y, or Z. And, <laughs> it could and, be. And, yeah, and she's just like trying to ignore it. Um, but yeah, Good Eats Kitchen really started um, by accident, you know, we had moved back to the Acadiana area after living in Austin, Texas and San Antonio for about 12 years total, 10 years total between the two, um, was in a sales role with a local seafood company and started doing some, some, uh, like meal prep, basic meal prep for my younger sister in January of 16, as she was preparing to, uh, get married like that March, we were keeping mm-hmm. her dress ready. Um, as we say. And it just kind of snowballed from there and grew organically. And, and it was it was sort of one of those those situations where, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, you always question, OK, when do you when do you take the leap and make something your main job? Like, when does it stop being a side hustle? And at some point, the the income began to overtake the income of the quote unquote real job. Yeah. 
and and the growth was so natural and organic and quick that we we just couldn't you know we sit down and have the conversation of okay are we going to make this real we, we couldn't turn it down we couldn't mm-hmm. say no you know it, right. it just the potential was there um with our time in austin we were familiar with some concepts similar to what good eats kitchen has become mm-hmm. and so felt like there was there was probably a, a small niche for this in, in acadiana and, and i mean obviously we had 30, 40, 50 people coming to our house on a Sunday afternoon before the Saints came to pick up prepared meals. Wow. Um, so, so there was a demand. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and so you know, here we are almost, almost five yeah. years later still fighting the good fight. I'd like you to back up for us. Uh, if I decided I wanted to open up my own food, prepar- food preparation place, I don't think I'd have 40 or 50 people clamoring. You, you came prepared to open up Good Eats Kitchen. Sure. You want to talk about your journey that... That got you there, and then we can talk about your business mechanics. But you, you studied, um, you're a professional. Yeah, chef. so so I, I attended LSU. You know, I'm from Delcom originally, so I'm mm-hmm. sort of an Acadiana boy. Um, went to LSU studying um, biology. Um, I probably had dreams of being like a professional duck hunter slash biologist, which you mm-hmm. know that's that's not not everyone gets that career. Um, but grew up in in the food service industry. So my my uncle had a small diner in Delcom. Uh, my first job was probably like illegal at age 10, like flipping burgers and marinating the chicken and running the, the tomatoes in the slicer. Mm-hmm. And so the, you like doing all I, that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. The, the food side, the food service or, or the, the food world has always been close to my heart, you know, standing on the, on the, the chair, watching granny make, you know, jams and jellies and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, LSU, the, the biology program just kind of wasn't for me. And so I left LSU. Um, and attended the Louisiana Culinary Institute in Baton Rouge. And now it's this big, beautiful, multi-million dollar facility off of Airline Highway. But at the time, it was just mm-hmm. this small, old, converted restaurant. And uh, Was it downtown way back? Where was so, that? So originally, there was a school downtown called um, the Culinary Institute of Louisiana. Okay, that's what that, I think I'm that school, yeah. So that school shut down. And I believe the story goes, some of the faculty there stayed together found some private investment, and then opened LCI. Mm-hmm. Where you uh, studied. Yeah. yeah, correct. And so I was one of the first, I think, three or four or five classes to come mm-hmm. through. Uh, actually, went Chef Colin Cormier in town, who, who everyone knows with Pops Pull Boys, and um, you know the Central and, and um, Viva La Waffle. We were sort of in the same class, same group. You were? Yeah, I think I think he actually finished slightly before me, but like uh-huh. our, our classes overlapped. So we were we were the first few classes to come through. Um that that program what did they teach you was it just traditional yeah um, so sort of the classic mechanics yeah it was it was it was i think a little heavier on like the 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 economical side Mm. of of kitchen management you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people throw around the term hey i'm a chef and and it's uh, it's more to, to, to being a chef than just being a good cook. You know, I, w- I always take like offense to it. I'm like, no, you're a good home cook. You're not a chef. There's a difference, you know. Um, but there was there was a ton of, of economical sides of the kitchen. So your food costing and um, th- those sorts of things. And then and then it was really more of the traditional French um, culinary style. Um, you know, we did a ton of cooking for ourselves. We had a small little restaurant within the facility that we operated. We being the students. Um, so it was it was sort of a classical French um, curriculum, I guess, yeah. for for lack of a better term. Yeah. yeah. So you graduated. Yeah. So so left you know, finished up at Louisiana Culinary Institute, um, and and around the same time as we were wrapping up, I started working for Fleming. So we actually opened the Flemings in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. 
I forget, 2003 or four. Uh, that is a high-end place. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, it's if you're comparable to like Ruth Chris or, mm-hmm. or a Morton's, you know, if, if anyone's familiar with that. Um, and so I actually began working there before before school finished. And then within a, about a year of, of uh, for me, the I think the, advanta- the, the advantage to being with Fleming's when I was, was it, it went through a really incredible growth phase. Um, something like I believe when when I started, we were store number twenty, and by the time I became a, a an executive chef partner of my own mm-hmm. store, like four years later, it was store sixty two. I mean, it, it just it exploded. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a, a Louisiana guy? That's um, Paul, Paul Fleming. Paul yeah, Fleming. Paul's from I believe he's from Franklin. He is. Um, yeah, I believe Patrick's his brother, and um, he also has PF Chang. Yeah, he, and... he had, yeah. So so Paul Paul started, um, I believe the he was a, a franchisee of Ruth Chris on the West Coast and then sort of segue that into founding Fleming's with mm-hmm. one of the Outback Steakhouse founders okay. with the intent of selling it to Outback. And they got two or three stores in, sold it to Outback, kind of worked the path, you know, yeah. sold it to Outback, um, then started P.F. Chang's and sold that and then mm-hmm. started Payway, mm-hmm. which was the small, casual little brother version of P.F. Chang's. So successful. Yeah, he's got Paul Martin's American Grill now, which is probably 20 or 30 locations um, mm-hmm. started on the West Coast. Um, wow, but what a, what a group to work with. Yeah, it was, I mean, the education, I, I you know, I always, I always say that, you know, so, so Fleming's was actually owned by Outback, or now it's called Bloomin' Brands Incorporated. Um, so it's, you know, they had five or six national brands. It was a four and a half million dollar business when I was there. And before I left, I, I had elevated through uh, to being a regional corporate chef. So not only did I run my restaurant, um, but I oversaw the culinary operations of uh, uh, 12 other locations in like six or seven states. So the experience I got there and, and you know, the business education component, mm-hmm. you know, all of taking advantage of all of the corporate trainings that you're able to kind of utilize as you work your way through an organization like that. Um, I don't think I could have gotten that, that mm-hmm. training or that education anywhere. Even, even if you went to business school, yeah. it, it's never going to be that specific toward, you know, operating food service, food service restaurants or businesses, you know, especially at such a young age. I mean, you yeah. started super young. I did. Yeah. I think I was 24 or 25 when I, when I made chef partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just a couple of years after that, that I, I became a regional chef. And then, uh, and then we moved back home after having our first child, uh, kind of needed the village, yeah. you know, needed some support. So yeah. we, we came you, back to Acadia. Before you jump into that, how were you selected to cook um, at the Olympics? That must have been an, an incredible honor. Yeah, that was a really a life-changing experience. So um, the credit there really goes to my wife. So so my wife's name's Katie, um, and Katie is a, a, has got an economics degree, but she's, a, she's also got a culinary degree from Johnson & Wales in Denver. So she's a pastry chef um, by trade. And so Katie actually cooked with a, a catering company. I kind of forget how the story goes where she, she met this, this company, but she cooked in the Torino Olympics in Italy two years prior um, and really ran a bake shop for them for the mm-hmm. entire. So the company's called Behind the Scenes Catering. Um, I think they're out of Orlando, but they have all the NBC contracts. So they travel with NBC. They do the Olympics and the, you know, the, the uh, what the masters and some of the, they do the big, the horse races. So, um, they invited Katie to come back for Beijing. And so I was, I was a sous chef at the time at the Flemings in San Antonio. And we just kept like sending my resume with every, every communication she had. It mm-hmm. was like, you know, we, by the we, way, yeah, we weren't, we weren't even <laughs> engaged at the time. Um, and so it, it turned out just a, a month or two before the Olympics, before their work was scheduled to begin, um, behind the scenes catering landed some like 
ancillary third-party contracts to cater for the Johnson & Johnson and Omega, uh, the watch company, their big Olympic pavilions on the Olympic green. So it's like their, their demo spaces, mm-hmm. right? And so that for me was an unbelievable experience. So, so I had an opportunity to run the sort of those two events or those two pavilions. Mm-hmm. Um, I would start the day like at an offsite kitchen um, near the airport was this giant um, commissary kitchen that this, this company had built. And so they had about four or five different international culinary teams that use this space as, as sort of your base prep. And then you'd bring the products onto the, onto the, put into the pavilions to execute, you know, whether it was lunch for athletes or dinner for dignitaries mm-hmm. or cocktail parties or whatever. Um, Cause you kind of had these really small limited spaces. So, you know, I'd spend most of the day at, at this giant tent of, you know, tent city kitchen set up near the airport. And um, I had four or five local culinary students that were part of my team spoke zero English, you know, they oh were Mandarin, goodness. you know, 16, 17 year old kids with, that were just like wizards with these Chinese cleavers. It was just amazing to watch them. Like I watched one one kid carve a canary out of a carrot with a cleaver, like a giant. Oh my it was goodness. unbelievable. <laughs> so like just that whole experience, like the 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 language barrier was was almost insur- insurmountable. Like, right. Because it's even like hand sing- signals don't mean the same. Numbers aren't the same. How do you say boil versus yeah, saute? It, exactly. You know? <laughs> so you know that like that in itself was an adventure. Just figuring out how to, how to. How do you communicate? Um, lots of just let me show you how I, what I'm wanting and then, and then mm-hmm. replicate. Um, <laughs> but it was really it was really amazing. I mean, it was it was about a three or four week straight stretch with no time off, working twenty hour days. Oh, you know, wow. we'd finish on the Olympic green every night, executing whatever whatever dinners were there. You know, we cooked for um, the USA men's and women's basketball teams after their golds. We got to cook for the swim team. Like the night after Phelps won his 50th mm. gold medal, or what you know, whatever number it was, but that was a really great experience. And I was fortunate. Um, I always get to kind of hold this over my wife. She was there <laughs> as well, working for sort of directly for NBC. Mm-hmm. So she was she was a part of the team. I think they were inside the um, the gymnastics arena. They were running like the the catering services there. Well, she, because she was working direct for the NBC contract, they had to stay like with. In these giant dorms, effectively, like the athletes, whereas I was third party, so yeah. I, I had this like corporate apartment in oh. like the inner rings. There's multiple rings in Beijing. I had this like it was like an expat apartment, and mm-hmm. I, I was there with uh, one of my roommates. Runs the Biltmore Hotel. He's the chef of the Biltmore Hotel in, in uh, like Nevada for decades, mm-hmm. and and the other one was uh, the sommelier at Augusta National for like 20 years. So like just to to get to hang yeah. out with these guys and, and you know and and have that experience it was it was really incredible that that whole that whole month and a half or so that we were there it was a it was a, a lot of work but it was a, it truly was a life-changing experience yeah. you were still in your 20s and uh yeah. i mean i can see how that'd be life-changing did yeah. you have to bring all the food or did they no it was all everything? so we, we had like buyers uh uh-huh. that, that would you told them what you need correct yeah they, uh-huh. they so we went into it and but it was it was a lot of adapting on the fly because you know you're you're dealing with a with with the Chinese health department, which is quite a bit different than, than the American. And so we it was sort of like dealing with customs to some degree, even though we were getting products locally. Sometimes we'd receive a product that we just couldn't use for whatever reason. It, it got shut down and quarantined, and we couldn't we couldn't touch it. So you're you're constantly having daily having to manipulate your menu and change your plan and and evolve and. Uh, you know, but so for me that having that experience and especially at such a young age where, where I had the energy to, 
yeah. to actually do it. Um, it. It was a ton of life lessons on, on just sort of, you know, not a Marine, but like the adapt and overcome mentality of, of the military is kind of what I related to that. It, there was just so much effort mm-hmm. and energy that went into to executing that whole three week period that you have that experience for the rest of your life to look back mm-hmm. on and say, well, look, I did this. I can do, th- I can do that. I know? was thinking that when you were speaking, if you could survive that with all the barriers that you sure. had, yeah. not that running your own places are easy here in the States, but sure. you survived Yeah, but that. You, you've got that experience to, to fall back on or, right. or to relate to, you know, Yeah, because you really couldn't quit. I mean, they, yeah. they were depending on you yeah. and, That's right. and you probably didn't want to quit. Didn't want, yeah, we were, it, you know, I, I make it sound like it wasn't, you know, it was unbearable, it was but exciting. it was, it was fun. Yeah, it mm-hmm. was absolutely fun. It was a ton of hard work and you were exhausted by the end of the day yeah. and had to start quite bright and early the mm-hmm. next day, but it was, it really was, uh, it was enjoyable, you know, especially looking back on it. Yeah. It was fun. What a what a life achievement! I bet yeah. your parents were just like, "Who would have thought?" Huh? Yeah, yeah, a little little dude from Delcom yeah. cooking in Beijing at the Olympics. It, yeah. it was uh, definitely one of one of the highlights. Look, looking back on on the career so far. Well, I want to move into your your current career and the successes you've had with your your new endeavors. Uh, but first, if you don't mind, Boyer, I'd like to pause and reflect back on an interview that we did with George Graham of Acadiana Table, and he's also president of the Graham Group. George speaks of his early days in the restaurant business working with the Charthouse Group. He, along with many others, gained valuable experience working with leaders such as you did in their industry when they were young, and then they went on to develop their own restaurant concepts. And George talks about that in this little clip that so many people have become successful, but it was because of the influences they had early in their career. You can hear George's interview along with Boyer's and over 200 others at discoverlafayette.net. And this moment is brought to you by Kurgan Brothers Sonic. And they're a new sponsor. I want to thank Ted Kurgan for being so generous. Sonic offers a daily happy hour with, you need to take notes on this, <laughs> with 50% off drinks and slushes from 2 to 4 p.m. While you're there, you should try their Raging Cajun Cheeseburger. It's a delicious blend of spicy mayo, pepper jack cheese, and Tony Sachery's Creole seasoning. First, let's listen to George Graham. I guess you really got to learn from some of the best about how to grow a business. I did. That was a dual track for me mm-hmm. of learning uh, about the uh, advertising, marketing uh, side of, of business, uh, and at the same time, learning the food business. And I was able to uh, really interact with some very, very talented people, mm-hmm. uh, people like Bill Hyde, uh, who went on to be chairman of Ruth Chris uh, Steakhouse chain and, and now has a very successful successful Rathbun uh, up in Dallas. Good, good uh, Mm -hmm. restaurant people. And that's one of the reasons why Lafayette has been so successful in spawning uh, such a uh, uh, very robust restaurant culture. Uh, A lot of the people who worked for Charthouse at the time uh, went out and did their own thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And many of those people uh, did it right here in Lafayette. Uh, So we have a very, very dynamic uh, local, locally owned independent independent uh, restaurant client. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. So Boyer, you're young, you've had these experiences, you moved back to Acadiana, and you were, you kind of found yourself, you know, the world asking you to open up a business. You had the demand. Sure. Did you know it was going to be called Good Eats Kitchen? Like what, what happened to get you to that point yeah. where I'm going to do this type of 
and talk about the concept sure. you came up yeah, with. Yeah, so, so, you know, I, I always joke that, that I started a business by accident. You know, it really was not the intent. I, when, I, when I moved back home, I was in a, in a sales role with a, with a fresh seafood company, um, sort of as a multi-hat sales representative, delivery driver. I was the sort of corporate chef for, for the business doing like videos and from, like from a marketing side, mm-hmm. you know, some support for the sales team. And, um, you know, like I alluded to earlier, just started doing some basic meal prep for my kid's sister. Um, and it just kind of went from there. So like, you know, week one, I cooked for my sister and I, and we split the cost of the meals. It was like five meals. And then week two, I cooked for myself and my sister and my mother. And then weekend three, it was myself and my sister and my mother and a cousin. And at that point, like a month in, I was cooking all day on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife was pregnant with our second child. And that was sort of the arrangement in the beginning was... My sister would come and babysit my son, who was almost two, uh, or a little over two, I guess, and, and my wife could rest, and it's like, everybody wins. I'm, I like to cook, so we're all mm-hmm. having fun. But then it became a job, you know? So I, I basically told the the you know, the ladies in, in my life I was cooking for, like, hey, tell, tell your people at work what I'm doing, and for $8 a meal, we'll, 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 they can buy in. They You know, I send the menu out each week, the mm-hmm. email, um, place their orders, and, and we'll go from there. And so over the matter, over the next few weeks, it went from cooking for the four of us to cooking for like 15 to 20 people. And then the email, I started getting orders via email from people that I couldn't connect the dots to. So like I, my mom would send the email to her friend who'd mm-hmm. send it to someone else whose office would see it and place an order and then they'd come and pick it up out of my house. So, so it, it really evolved that way. Um, but we, we did have some sort of intimate knowledge of this prepared food, healthy meal, grab and go concept, you know, with our time in Austin. Um, there's a number number of concepts that are identical to what we've done. Um, couple have, have faded away and no longer exist, but there's a couple that are still very, very big players in the prepared meal segment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so using sort of those contemporaries or those sort of masters of the craft, we, we had a really clear vision of like what I wanted to bring to life in Acadiana. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and having, you know, almost a year's worth of cooking out of the house, some of that illegally, and then we got a health permit in the kitchen. I was going to ask, but I didn't want to get you in trouble. No, I guess they yeah, won't yeah, go it back. Was, it was, yeah, it was very much until we, until we actually got or, into yeah. the kitchen we're in now in June of 17. It was because mm-hmm. it doesn't really fall under cottage law, you know, so we were, we were effectively operating illegally. It was just me. I keep seeing we. It was me at the time. Um. And then in September of 2016 <laughs> was when we, when I decided, hey, look, this is this is something real. I think there's a lot of potential mm-hmm. here. You know, we had a very large client base and, and growing interest, and so uh, it was at that point where I quit my job and, and just continued to cook to from get home. Serious. Yeah, continue yeah. to cook from home for a while. And it's at that point when we began to develop the brand. You know, mm-hmm. so that we I settled on the Good Eats Kitchen name. Um, cause for me, you know, and still today, good eats kitchen is not, um, it's not a weight loss solution. We don't really follow any of the fad diets, you know, cause no one on the team, especially myself, we're not nutritionally trained or dietitians or any of that stuff. We're, we're chef driven as we say. And chef Jacob, who runs the kitchen now was hire number two. So he, he actually, we all, him, myself, and, and our my first hire was one of my best friends who ran marketing for a long time. We cooked out of my house for a few months before we mm-hmm. even got to the kitchen, the three of us. And so, um, you know, we never wanted to, to be pigeonholed too much into being a weight loss solution mm-hmm. or any type of, you know, keto wasn't really around then yet or wasn't as mainstream. It'd be just a keto meal. I, I felt like the market in Lafayette just, it wasn't a big enough market to be very, very super niche. 
So we just want to be good food, right? Everyone I, needs to eat. Yeah. So that's sort of how we landed on good eat kitchen. It's just good food. You but know, it looks, was, I've looked at your site and looked at through the menus and all. I mean, it's bright, colorful, sure. and it is healthy. I didn't realize that, you, yeah. you know, you give the calories and you talk about what's in it so people know exactly what they're getting. But, I mean, the choices are sure. very high end with a lot of vegetables and yep. And, and so that's sort of where, where we've landed on, you know, so again, it's a, it's a fully cooked, fresh, mm-hmm. microwavable meal. And so for one person, for you buy individually, like, yeah, individually, individual. um, portioned. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what we've, what we've done is we really hung our hat and built the foundation of the company on, on fresh, high quality food. Um, so nothing's ever frozen. Um, the only frozen ingredient we buy is, is our shrimp, which we get a chemical free shrimp out of Delcom, mm-hmm. you know, being a Delcom boy, um, we use exclusively grass-fed beef, you know, all fresh produce. The only canned ingredient we buy is our, our whole tomatoes, which we make a house-made tomato sauce with. Mm-hmm. So it's really high-quality food. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be fully cooked in a, in a to-go box effectively. And they're know? not high-calorie, though. I know you're not focusing Correct. on the low-calorie, but when I looked at some of them, I mean— 300 calories or so. Yeah, like yeah I mean, they range from the mid threes to, to mm-hmm. the mid 500 calorie yeah, range. And, and so what I, what I like to say is, you know, although we don't have the dietetic or the nutritional background, mm-hmm. we, we know we, I call it whole food cooking. So it's just, it's real yeah, ingredients. There's, right. we, we do kind of follow the low sodium component. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we make all of our own spice blends. None of them have salt or sugar added. No preservatives in any of the food. You know, we have a really good partnership now with Eat Fit. Uh, the Ashna oh, yeah. mm-hmm. program. I think we were the first like Lafayette exclusive partner when Eat Fit moved here in 2018 mm-hmm. or 16 or 17, whatever it was. Um, and so we really utilize them now as sort of our outsourced nutritional or dietetics guidelines. Yeah. Um, and we we just try to we try to have a big enough menu. I think there's 36 items on the menu now to cover any palate or any lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. So effectively what, what I'd like to have happen is anyone that walks in the door at Good Eats Kitchen or goes onto the website to place an order for direct-to-consumer delivery, there's something for them. Now, we may not have 30 meals that you want, but there'll be five to six meals, enough to get you whatever mm-hmm. your, your need is. If it's lunch every day, if it's dinner every day, we have something there for you. you it know? seems like your timing was impeccable. Um, you were set up and kind of established before COVID. Mm-hmm. And when I met you and was asking you questions, every question you answered was like, this is perfect for people that don't want to get out. They're not ready to go eat at restaurants. They want a high-quality meal. Sure. Some people just can't drive. They're older or they whatever. Yep. You broke your leg and you can't cook. you know. Yep. But you've got... You deliver. You, we do, yeah. yeah. And so with COVID, pre, it's pre, perfect. Yeah, pre-pandemic, we were really a retail brick-and-mortar focused business with a very small direct-to-consumer mm-hmm. offering. Um, you know, we handled the deliveries ourselves at the time. You know, to be frank, it was kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really fit the model. Um, Pre-COVID, we had three retail stores in Baton Rouge, so we were, you know, we were four stores deep. Um, and then the pandemic sort of really begins to impact the area. We were never truly forced to close you know dining dining in isn't really a thing for us um however with that many stores it just the the business the traffic wasn't there so you know we ended up shutting down two of the baton rouge stores permanently uh through the through the summer um but we shut all four stores down and utilized the lafayette oil center location and our main store in baton rouge as a pre-order pickup so we really just shifted the whole model Mm -hmm. to e-commerce um and I began really leveraging the delivery network that we had built in. Um, and really quickly, 
within the week, I think the first week of, of schools being closed and sort of the lockdown or shutdown or whatever you want to call it, beginning to be um, put in place, we rolled out. We, so first of all, we call ourselves Geek, G-E-K, uh-huh. Geek Eats Kitchen. <laughs> it's probably supposed to be pronounced Geek, but we created it, so we say Geek. So we created the Geek Market on the website, and that what what we were where we were in a unique position to really be helpful to the community is the 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 retail supply chain, food supply chain got decimated. Yeah. And and it's a it's a completely different food it's a different supply chain than the than the food service side. And so we still had access to bread and milk and cheeses and deli meats and produce. And so we effectively launched this virtual grocery store on our website. We added the the option to do what we called uh, chef curated vegetable ba- or, or produce baskets, and there was like an A, B, or C option. Oh. And we just loaded boxes up with fresh produce, and we had deli meats, and we you know we were portioning salmon and portioning mm-hmm. you know beef fillets, and and began to just deliver. Uh, we offered free delivery for almost a year in Lafayette and Baton Rouge, and it it really kind of saved us in a way. Um, it kept our, our culinary team whole. We never had to furlough or, or, yeah. or, or reduce hours for any of our culinary team. They just had to shift what their duties were. Yeah, we just, we yeah. shifted our, you know, we shifted, mm-hmm. we, we pivoted, you know, we, yeah. we evolved. And so, um, and then the evolution of that, so the direct-to-consumer delivery of our meals has always been part of the strategic path. You know, we, we have hopes of being... There's like the Freshlies of the world, which is one of the large yeah. national brands that deliver direct to consumer, nationwide prepared meals. So that that's the that's sort of the the precipice we look upon and where we want to go. So in October of last year, I think we're coming up on a year yeah. mark. Um, after developing a, a completely environmentally friendly uh, shipping kit, so like the box is all uh, we got this really great design that a local firm built out for us on the printed box. Um, the box is post-consumer recycled material. The foam insert that goes inside that keeps the meals cold or helps keep them cold is a corn-based byproduct. It's dissolvable in water and environmentally friendly. Oh. Um, the meal trays that, that the meals are served in are, again, another corn-based bio-pro- uh, byproduct, uh, compostable within like a three-month time window. Uh, the gel packs we use have environmentally saline, environmentally safe saline solution inside. That sounds so, so, expensive. Yes, it, it's, very, it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah. We, we we didn't go the economical route here. Yeah. But um, you went the but the yeah. Smart so but way. for me, it, it mm-hmm. it's sort of our why yeah. the, the the underlying mm-hmm. foundation for Good Eats Kitchen is to enrich the lives yeah. of the people in the communities in which we operate. Mm-hmm. And I just I've always felt somewhat hypocritical saying that. And we're pushing out thousands of pieces of plastic a week. Exactly. So, you know, so yeah. we've we've actually since launching the e-commerce, we've made the pivot in stores as well to these biodegradable containers. Now we're dealing with some COVID-related supply chain issues now, mm-hmm. so so we're kind of in between. But who did it locally? Who helped you design these? Uh, uh, Clout Nine, the design team at Clout Nine, um, um, helped out. You know, they, yeah. they were they were our marketing partner at the time, and and, and they did all the design work on on the box. Uh-huh. Um, and then Pratt Industries is a bat. There, I think they're Atlanta based, but they have a, a, a box printing or box manufacturing facility. Came up with the in, uh, in Hammond. They actually they actually print the boxes uh-huh. for us. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, at, at this point, you know, we we've got uh, direct to consumer distribution with uh, with FedEx as a shipping partner mm-hmm. statewide in Louisiana and Mississippi. Um, we're we're slowly working on a new. Um, 
a new e-commerce platform. Mm -hmm. We've got a local firm that's helping build a website. Once the new platform launches, we'll have subscription options and really just a much better user experience than what we have now. And so once we're comfortable, once the new site launches and we're comfortable with the new site, uh, we intend to, to expand our delivery reach to include sort of the whole southeastern region of the U.S. So Texas, Arkansas, mm -hmm. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, parts of parts of Georgia and Florida. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, you know, that was, all, again, always part of the plan. The pandemic just put it. Yeah. Put put that that business move to the top of the priority mm -hmm. list. You know, when I was thinking about our interview before we started, I wondered when you were really gearing up and having to, as you said, pivot. That's a word we've all been using a lot. Mm -hmm. um, could you sleep at night? Like, how did you figure out how to do all this? If I may ask, I, I really no, I, d I didn't sleep much at all. It, I mean, was, I'd be up all night. Yeah, thinking it was very that, trying, but know? that's sort of who I am now. To be honest, I, I don't sleep a ton. Um, it's real hard. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm an insomniac, but I can't shut my brain off. Exactly. You know, yeah. and so thinking about more things. Yeah, I mean, I I downloaded the. Uh, this was actually really helpful. Uh, I downloaded the Headspace app oh, at some point yeah. middle of last year uh, and began doing some guided meditation mm -hmm. just just to help me fall asleep. Um, and it, it it's works. Been, it's been really helpful. It doesn't I need work to all. The, it doesn't work all the time, <laughs> but it but it really more often than not it helps to shut my brain yeah. off. You know, and so. Because um, you've got so many moving pieces. Yeah. I just wondered, and you had to come up with this packaging and, and the new distribution. And yeah. Just yeah, it was just, it was in a one very of those, short time. It, it was you're, when you're in a scenario, and, you know, and I've got a great, I've got a Chef Jake is an unbelievable team member of mine mm -hmm. and partner. You know, there's no way we do what we do without him. You know, my father's my business partner. Uh, he was a, a lifer with Shell Oil and retired a few years ago. So I've got him to lean on. Um, but at the end of the day, your, yeah, the decisions yeah. are made, you know, but, yeah. but so for me, it was truly just, I don't love the term innovative for what we do. Cause I don't think we're like really changing anything. You know, I think it's used in the tech industry. It's more applicable, but I just think we just, we were put in an environment where it was adapt or die, truly adapt or Literally. innovate or die yeah. from a business perspective. And I just wasn't, I wasn't willing to just chalk it up to a mm -hmm. pandemic and go work wait, for somebody go else. Go work for someone yeah. else or, or like wait for things to get better. And um, we, we were going to figure it out, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, there was there were days when, you know, I, I, I joked with with at the time Meg was our um, account executive with Cloud9. She was our marketing rep. And uh, I would call her three times a day and the plans I had told her early in the day had changed. <laughs> you know, we just... We were just right. every day we were we were trying things and throwing it at the wall. If it stuck, great. Mm -hmm. If not, we're throwing something else at the wall. Yeah, um, it's just been so challenging. Like I, you know, other people I've interviewed, uh, Ted Kurgan with Sonic. We just mm -hmm. mentioned him. Supply chain stuff. I talked yeah. to Kaki Larail last week. Yeah. You know, yeah. no matter where you are, you can't get what it, you need. And it always. And I think we're still very much in that. You know, yeah. it, it's uh, you know, I think with entrepreneurship whether you're successful or not, there's always the highs and lows, the peaks and valleys, right? And you've got to find a way to live in between them, you know? Because if you focus on one or the other, if you focus on the lows, you, you'll just stay in the lows. And if you, you focus on the highs, then I think you're going to, you lose sight of what, mm -hmm. when that next low is coming. And, and I, Chef Jake and I were talking about this just the other day. We're dealing with some staffing challenges and, and, and a few other supply chain related issues. And it's, it's like, where we're joking, it's like we we know this is supposed to be hard. Like uh, owning your own business, running a business is never easy. Mm -hmm. And unless you're some tech unicorn, it doesn't go boom. You know, 
So, but it's like, man, it just feels like it, it shouldn't be, be this hard. hard. <laughs> and, but it, but it is, you yeah. know. And so for for I think for us, it, it's just it's one of those things where we we believe strongly in what we're doing, and there's a bigger picture. So you know, we, we can get into like the 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 other businesses we've launched and sort of the big picture vision mm-hmm. for for the the businesses we're building. And I think for us, that's the that's the driver. Is it's not just about this brand and the people who work for us and the impact we make on the community, but we're truly working to build something bigger. And for me, it's about it's about a legacy that you know I want to leave personally for my myself and mm-hmm. and all my children in the community. But the the legacy that I want my businesses to leave, even as a young entrepreneur, I think if you if you starting with those mindsets, then it's easier to push through the difficult times. And mm-hmm. we just we're just not going to give up. You know, we're not going to just sit back and wait for things to get better. We're going to work through them, through the challenges. And you've also kept your focus. You know, uh, I had asked you if you could cater an event with, you know, hot food and you said, well, Jan, I guess I could, but really that's not our model. So you have stuck to the prepared packaged meal. That's sort of a pandemic lesson is before I would have said, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And And then you would have regretted it. And we would have stressed out the figure. I know. You know, it it just, we would figure it out. We would do it. We would execute. I can go somewhere else for that and I'll come back. Exactly. And and it just, it just adds a layer of stress to the organization. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's top to bottom. And so we've really worked on just kind of being who we are and, and and executing it at a high mm-hmm. at a higher level as we as at as high of a level as we can. Before we move on to your other endeavors, um, you're in the oil center. You want to just tell us, like here in Lafayette, where yeah, you are. Yeah, so the, the very first store we opened is this small little square, six hundred square foot nook um, off of Coolidge. Coolidge uh, Gardens, Coolidge, right? Yeah, like, like the the Coolidge. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oil Center Gardens is the yeah. name of the shopping okay. You're center. You're by Pascal and Anthony. Right. So we're right in between Spa Pascal and Strands, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the hair salon, right behind Champagne's and Coolidge. So we can just walk in without having ordered cor- online. Cor- correct. Yeah. So so you sort of have two you know purchasing mechanisms. Um, you can just walk in and grab one meal, two, five, ten, whatever mm-hmm. you like, um, or or you go to the website and, and you can pre-order mm-hmm. either for pickup in the store. So you come in twice a week, the, it's bagged and ready for you. Um, or you can select delivery uh, as well. And how would you describe your food? Um, it's not necessarily like Cajun food. Yeah, we've got it's, some it's... some sort of Cajun flavorings in some of mm-hmm. them, but that's not you know, your main focus. No, for, for us, it's just about it's good eats, it's mm-hmm. good food, right? You know, I, I really lean on sort of the term whole food cooking mm-hmm. for from an ingredient perspective. But I mean, there is there is everything from. You know, a blackened redfish dish where you're going to find some of our, you know, the flavors of South Louisiana to a, a Greek quinoa chicken bowl that mm-hmm. you can actually eat cold. It's got this great tzatziki in it. Uh, we've got an Indian butter chicken. That's a new dish we rolled out recently. That's been a big hit. My favorites are chicken piccata. So there's this oh, like yeah. Italian vibe. Um, our number one seller from day one, even from when I was still cooking in my house, is our green chili chicken enchilada. So you've got some Tex-Mex. So, so again, you know, when I say there's like a, there's something for everyone, it's 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 across the board. It's like your whatever your types of food you like, whatever mm-hmm. the flavorings you like, whatever calorie counts or carb counts you're looking for, there's a meal there. We may not have 20 for you, but there's a meal for everyone. Right, yeah. right. Well, it sounds like the geeks are doing well. We're, so. <laughs> we're, we're, come geek out with us. That's what yeah. we like to say. Yeah. And then you also opened up another endeavor. You've gotten into the oyster Industry Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. Correct. So um, I call that my, my pandemic project. So you know when we were preparing to take Good Eats Kitchen 
heavier into the e-commerce segment and, and become, or, or at least shift to being more focused on direct to consumer, started doing some research on on selling online and, and you know listening to some gurus here and there, you know things you find on, on, on the internet when your kids are sleeping. Um, and decided I was going to launch. Since a, you're not sleeping. Yeah, exactly. So I decided I was going to launch another e-commerce brand, do it from scratch, bootstrap. Like I, I think I started it for under five hundred dollars. I, I designed the website, and again, I'm not techie. We talked about this before yeah. we got started. I'm not very techie at all. Well, you're more techie than I am. But but, <laughs> but used Shopify and built the website. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. uh, myself. I used the. I got a Canva Pro account mm-hmm. and designed the web. You know, designed everything myself and. Um, so, so for me, grilled oysters is it's a huge passion. We we used to cook them all the time at my in laws. You know, um, I just love everything about it. Shucking the oysters, drinking cold beer, eating the raw one every now and then, throwing some butter on them. You know, mopping up the butter with your garlic bread after. Um, but I'm in a unique position where I'm in the food service industry. You know, I'm a chef by trade, so I can order a sack of oysters from my vendor. I know how to shuck them without stabbing myself and. I've got some skills to make a tasty butter and, and yeah, I can, I can do the whole thing. And so when we started, when I started trying to figure out, okay, what can I sell online that will teach me something about how to sell online to then apply that to Good Eats Kitchen. So I was like, let's create this fake brand to then apply our, our learnings to the real business. And so I started doing some testing on freezing oysters and backpacking them and shipping them to myself and like things were, oh. things were kind of working. Like I, yeah. you know, I found found some solutions here and there along the way, and said, okay, well, this is this is a viable option. I don't know if anybody's going to buy it, but from a food safety perspective, I can mm-hmm. freeze this and I can ship it overnight or two day with dry ice, and it's still frozen. It's a good make it to the east coast. Or yeah, something. so we yeah. so we ship we ship nationwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because I figured I needed to be able to ship two day for to have the reach, but also for economical shipping mm-hmm. options, and so the dry ice worked, and so. Almost a year to, to the day, October 6th of last year, I launched the website. Um, and I originally bought the domain grilledoysterkits.com. It was like $6. And <laughs> when I began to build the brand, quote unquote, that just didn't that didn't flow. Like grilledoysterkits.com sounds good, but what's your Instagram going to look like? Yeah, what, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Gook. So, so I, I ended up really just liking the name Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. So I'm, yeah. again, I mentioned I'm from Delcom. And that's a place. Bayou Carlin is the formal name of the Delcom Canal. So it's the body of water that connects mm-hmm. Lake Penure on the north side of Delcom to uh, the Vermilion Bay. And so it was just sort of a classic seafood or oyster company mm-hmm. look and vibe and feel. And so we went with it. It's kind of a, an homage to my hometown. Seafood, it's a seafood town. And, and uh, you know, we've got the shrimp festival, but you've got access to Vermilion Bay and all the oyster beds that come with it. So I launched the website and like one of my friends ordered the first day and I'm like, oh, I got a sale. You know, it's like, you know, again, come, come back to the, the skepticism of, yeah, but who's going to order this? It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it was never intended to be anything real. And then uh, began to have some traction and, you know, a couple of people ordering here or there. And I, and I ran a very small sponsored, you know, paid Facebook ad for uh, Black Friday with like a small, I forget, it was a 15 or 20% discount and the bomb went off. So between Black Friday and oh, wow. Christmas, the week before Christmas of last year, 2020, uh, I shipped over 400 dozen oysters <laughs> to 26 states. Were people buying as gifts for family yes, and absolutely. friends? It was, it, was what a great gift. it was immediately apparent. And I think, again, the pandemic has something to do yeah. with it. But it's immediately apparent, okay, this is a great gift idea. Or if you're an expat, if you're from Acadiana and mm-hmm. you don't live here anymore, 
it's a taste of home, right? So I, I like to say we're shipping culture, right? We're yeah. shipping the, the Cajun culture. But it became immediately apparent this is a great gift idea. And it, and as a parent, that people aren't going out shopping because of the pandemic. So they're just going to they're just gonna ship gifts. I mean, I, I had a couple of people that I had five or oh, six orders come in. And, I had five yeah. or six orders come in in a row. Uh-huh. And they were shipping. They were taking care of their whole family, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... That was the holiday season. And again, I mentioned, you know, with Good Eats Kitchen, everything's fresh. We didn't have a freezer in the building. Oh, yeah. So I'm shipping all these oysters out of this five foot, five cubic foot freezer that I was able to buy at Home Depot because you couldn't find freezers because of the pandemic supply shortages. And you had enough oysters? We did have enough oysters. Yeah. So again, from, from a... I'm kind of surprised be, be, you had being, enough. Being yeah. in, the, in the restaurant industry, I, yeah. I have a seafood vendor and mm-hmm. you know, they, they're connected. So all of, our, all of our oysters come from the same oyster house they're local. In, in Homa. Yeah. In so Homa, it's all yeah. it's a certified, uh, lo, uh, certified Cajun product. So it's mm-hmm. all from Louisiana. Some of the oysters are actually from Texas and Mississippi waters, mm-hmm. but that's just because that, it's because that yeah. that oyster house in Homa owns leases mm-hmm. throughout the Gulf. But, Did they make it through the hurricane? Um, yeah, sort of. That's so, been a rough. So uh, the, go. yeah, they're they're they some of their facilities were pretty were pretty beat up. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's still, still yet to be hit. seen. Yeah, yet to mm-hmm. be seen how how it'll truly impact us. Um, but it is for me, it's a frozen product. So it's one of the rare occasions where being in the frozen industry yeah. is beneficial because it that their frozen, um, their frozen storage facility made it unscathed. So yeah. from my perspective, my supply chain is still intact. Mm-hmm. Thank um, goodness. Yeah, and so you know, after I was able to kind of catch my breath a little bit after the holidays, I started utilizing this for its intent. I started digging into the analytics and looking at the the website and what's going on and what's happening and sort of realize that like the abandoned cart report. So like people who would, yeah, they'd get all the way to checkout and not hit the, not hit order. It was, it was way more abandoned carts than I, abandoned carts than I was happy with. I mean, there was, there were hundreds, but they were all relatively localized addresses. So sort of what, how I interpreted that was that there was a local, it's a first to market product. So I hate to say there's a demand for it, but there was a local interest for it. Mm-hmm. But I felt like the shipping costs was the barrier locally like you it's yeah. not it, it's it's economical to ship it to california and pay mm-hmm. 60 bucks but i'm not going to ship it from lafayette to abbeville for 35 you yeah. know so especially you know, when they've got you know yeah you've oyster got, you've restaurants. Got, exactly yeah. you can still go to a restaurant and mm-hmm. get it and for me it's a it's a convenience product right so what what the product is uh or what it has become it's a dozen oysters in this little plastic tray that are pre-shucked iqf frozen and are pre-topped with the compound butter of your choice. We've got about five flavors on the website and then the trays vac packed. So all you do as the end user is thaw them and cook them, whether it's mm-hmm. on a grill or in your oven or your pizza oven, whatever. Uh-huh. And you've got a restaurant quality, you know, charbroiled yeah. or grilled oyster. So in January of this year, 2021 began the process with the FDA to try to get the product wholesale, um, wholesale approved. Cause what I interpreted the data from the from the abandoned carts was that if this was in a grocery store locally and someone could just pick it up and order oh, yeah. it and not have to pay for shipping, that we would see success. And so, even that process was arduous. Um, it, it took almost six months from the first conversation with the FDA to the day I received my my permit and certification. Uh, most of that because this is truly a first to market product. Mm-hmm. They didn't know even know how to permit. 
right. the business. And so it was... Because you never see oysters. It's, they're in cans, but that doesn't yeah, seem well, you, good. You'll you know? see the meat. You know, you'll yeah, see like the meat in, in a tub or something for gumbos or yeah. fried, or, or you'll see them live in yeah, shells. Yeah, but you don't really see it like you would this, like the Correct. prepared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, long story short, we, we figured out how to get us permitted, and we got it permitted. We wow. got two flavors approved, and... Mm-hmm. And this was probably, I don't know, March or uh, April, I think, when we finally started legally being able to sell wholesale. So we had this little box, you know, cardboard box printed or, or cut out and then some stickers and labels that we put on by hand and um, started making some sales calls. And like 11 of the 12 first retail stores I popped in to, to show the product, they order on the spot. You they're, know? And, they're in the stores here? Yeah, so we've, got, we've got like a dozen. If you go on the website, there's a there's a retail okay. partner page and yeah. they're all listed, but we've got about a dozen retail partners so far. Um, you know, Joey's and Lafayette's a big okay. carrier. The A-Bears Meat Markets yeah. are probably our top mover. Uh, Sean's and Delcom mm-hmm. uh, was one of the, I, I was really wanting them was one of my first, yeah. you know, kind of coming full circle. Kind of validates Yeah, it's a grocery store doing. on the banks of Bayou Carlin. Um and then uh, a couple other meat markets, Don's um, and Scott carries mm-hmm. them. And we've got a few partners in um, Baton Rouge. Just in the freezer section is in where the, they, in the just section. like you would. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Um, and so recently, right before Hurricane Ida hit, actually, the week before, we finally received our, our printed boxes. So I had some really nice boxes designed um, instead of having to slap a bunch of labels on it by hand. And, and this is obviously much more scalable then mm-hmm. I'd have to apply a bunch of labels. So we've begun conversations now um, with Rouse's and Super One Foods um, to, to start to go after some larger retail placement. Yeah. Um, you know, so just just excited about the potential mm-hmm. there. It's not every day you get to have a, a first-to-market product. You know, it's like a, I say we're not a, a salsa company competing for shelf space on a shelf with 20 salsas. Like it's the only, mm-hmm. it's the only retail grilled oyster kit yeah. out there so if you if you're interested in the product that yeah it's the only option you have for now you know um so we're excited it's been it's been a great the, the mm-hmm. stores that do have it they're moving them you know so it's not a if they're not just sitting in the freezer and, and right. staying there they're, they're getting some traction well, it's such a delicacy and i'm fascinated with the seafood industry my neighbor jim gossen is a spokesperson yeah. for the gulf seafood industry and after hurricane ida i mean people have taken a hit. So sure. for you to be able to keep on, sure. I was surprised when you said, you know, in Homa, because I know they, a lot of the, the that, that, fishermen have just that been, sh- strange, that strange look, twist of fate of oh. being, being a frozen source is yeah. the only thing I, the I only had thing going that's from, yeah, because they're, you know, if you're, if you're in the live oyster industry right now for, They've for, lost from, their a, from a South, yeah, the, the whole, yeah. and, the, and the infrastructure is gone. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, they're, well, you can't even get ice. Up. Like it's, Correct. I mean, maybe they can this week, but it's been a rough I, go. I know. So our, the seafood company I buy from is Fruget Seafood. Um, they're located in Branch with distribution out of Dallas, but they also uh, the Fruget's Mr. Mike also owns. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah, they have JT the, Mellick, yeah. the vodka. Company. So, yeah. so they've been running ice. They have down to I think to the they've got you know partnership with uh, with Rouse's and Rouse's uh-huh. is down there. So they've been running ice down to the Rouse's in their in their liquor trucks. That's nice. Or their, or their, their yeah. fish trucks just to just to try to be helpful. You well, know? he's got a success story. Yeah. I interviewed him recently. I knew them from way back from our kids, but I had no idea how so, big So that's that, who I, I worked for is. them for two years, almost to the day. Yeah. From when in I, in we, uh, Dallas or Austin, you're so, saying. So I was actually here yeah. in Lafayette. I was mm-hmm. the, the sales rep for Baton Rouge to Houston, but, but I purchased seafood from them as a chef in Austin. So yeah. that was sort of the full circle, yeah. you know. He was talking during our story. I won't bore you with it, but sure. all these businesses he had, but really he says, my bread and butter is the... 
distribution, yeah. <laughs> the seafood distribution, yeah. which nobody really talks about. Yeah, exactly. They like the the vodka, the yeah. you know JT Malik yeah. and all. It's not the it's not the fancy yeah. pretty brand for sure. You yeah. Know? So if we just uh, Google Bayou uh, Carlin, yeah, but, it's C A R L I N. L I N. That's right. Oyster ba- Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. Yeah, um, we can or find you can out go more. GrilledOysterKits.com. Yeah. It's still on the. Uh, yeah. So both yeah. both domains take you to the same website. Yeah. Yeah. So Bayou Carlin Oyster Co. Dot com um, mm-hmm. or grilledoysterkits.com. How and, have, and we were active on social media as well. How have you had time to do leadership, Lafayette? I'm so glad you're in the class. It, it happened to work out that, so typically I try to keep Fridays as, a, as an administrative day for myself um, just to get caught up on the week, close the week out and plan the next. And so it, being being that the that the, the classes happen you know on Fridays, mm-hmm. or it, it, I was able to just kind of plug it in. And, and again, you know, I've got a, I've got a great team that that work for us at Good Eats Kitchen and in the production kitchen and, and you know they're able to just keep the machine mm-hmm. going while while I'm unplugged and yeah um you know I, I had I had been hesitant I've wanted to do it for years and had kind of been putting it off um for whatever myriad mm-hmm. of reasons and, and I actually was was halfway through um the CEO roundtable program as well put on by Lita mm-hmm. um and it was just like, well, if I've got time for this, I've got time for that. So there was about a three month overlap between the two programs. So I was, I was kind of happy when one ended, so I could focus on the yeah. other. But uh, but yeah, it's been great. I think our classes. Uh, everyone says they're the best class ever. They but, all do. But, you know, yeah. we're, we're the best class ever. Of course. Uh, and we just class got a 30, great four. yeah thirty yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got just a great group of people. And um, I mean, it's just refreshing to see the passion. Um, and the ideas and the energy that that are out there, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's. Uh, I think we can get you can get lost in in the. Uh, I talk about the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. I think there's the highs and lows of society. You can get yeah. lost in one or the other, and you can you know you can spend tons of time on Facebook and get really angry at the world, mm-hmm. whatever side of the aisle you're on. But for me, what's just exciting with this group of people is just just the passion. I mean, they're 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 so passionate about making Lafayette. You know, a great place to live and work, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's inevitable where I'll be having a rough week at work, and you know just like living in the lows a little bit. Go to Lafayette Leadership Lafayette class and just get like reinvigorated yeah. and like I'm recharged for the month. You That's know? great. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really really thankful to be in the program. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me just put in a plug for your current uh, your current leaders are Lacey Maynard and Corey Jack. They have put in so much work this they year have, to make yeah. sure you've had the, the primo experience yeah, I, I that you've had. I don't think they signed up for what what they no, got thrown into, they've, you know, they've but, but they've, they've done a great job and, yeah. of keeping keeping the ball rolling for yeah. us. Yeah. And applications, if anybody's listening and either would like to do the program or know someone that would, you can go to leadacadiana.org. I didn't plan on doing this, but sure. you can now apply for the class for next year, for yeah. Class 35. Highly, highly recommend it if you're on the fence. Yeah. Go, ahead and, go ahead and apply. September 20th through November 19th. And uh, there's a selection committee. It's not like we can pull strings or something, but it's a it's a arduous process to even get selected. Sure. I mean, you have to really want to do it. Yeah. So I'm proud of you for, yeah. for making you. the time and you being bet. selected. So. Well, you're active as we wind down. I know you're active with your your family, your kids. That's right. um, you lead a full life, yeah. and you've got looks like a lot in front of you. A lot of yeah. Ad- we try to adventure. try to keep the balance. You know, I've got a I got an eight year old little boy and a five year old daughter who are both in, at Myrtle Place Elementary, so they're in the French immersion program there. And uh, neither my wife nor I speak French, so that 
I can see the challenges coming down the pipe where they're in the corner strategizing in French and French mm-hmm. and then when their plan gets enacted we know exactly what they were talking about well um, French is easier to learn than Mandarin Chinese yeah exactly you know? <laughs> absolutely I, it, it truly is you know and then uh, we're super active in sports with the kids yeah, and, and yeah. dance and you know baseball and soccer mm-hmm. and everything else so we uh we try to you only get to go around once we try to try to make it worth it this is a precious time in your life let me just say that and i I want you to cherish it well and i think for me too that that's a lot of the drive to to make the business successful is so that i can continue to you know i mean i get the flexibility of of being my own boss and i mean the work's there you know we were putting Mm -hmm. the effort in for sure but you know make just about every sporting event you know i I was the i was the the pitcher for our our (laughs) Coach pitch team last year, mm-hmm. my son's little select baseball team, and you know I think I missed one practice in the year. So it's it's a uh, it's important to them. Yeah, it is, and it's important to me. You know, again talking about the mm-hmm. legacy earlier, it's you know I, I know what type of husband and father I want to be, and we're going to work do to do that and, and keep the balance between right. between work and life. You know? Right. Well, Boyer Dere's principle of Good Eats Kitchen and um, let me get it right Bayou Carlin Oyster Company. That's I want right. to thank you. For taking time to join us and also to be patient, we're. I always talk about this. We're sitting here in my study, so of course the yeah, public was going by. Yeah. It's trash day. My dog Katie. <laughs> I don't barking. think she liked me for some reason. Well, yeah. she she really doesn't like anybody. <laughs> I mean, it's not just you. She sure. barks at us when we walk sure. in. But you've been very patient, and um, you know, I'm hoping soon we'll be back in in the Raider Studios. He, um, yeah. Chris Raider, purchased the old Piccadilly yeah, building. Yeah, down, down the street from Goody's Kitchen. I've been and, watching that progress. Yeah. yeah, and so we're, you know, hopefully we'll be back in there maybe by the first of the year as they okay. they move in. But thank you for, for working with me you here. You bet. Pleasure to be here. And I'd also like to thank our sponsors for being so generous and helping Discover Lafayette keep going. First of all, Iberia Bank, now a part of the First Horizon family. Oxner Lafayette General, Kurgan Brothers Sonic, and of course, Raider and Jason Sikora, who makes our tape sound so much better than I ever could. Thank you all for your generosity to our show. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, I'm Jan Swift. <laughs>